Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you to our studio audience for such a warm welcome. And as well, welcome to anyone who's joining us. We have a lot of people joining us from all over the country, all different kinds of different time zones. So it's wonderful to have all of you here today. And, and yeah, just, it's just like this is going to be a fun service. This is one where we really get to, the, to celebrate resurrection. You know, we've been spending 40 days looking at, at this whole Lenten season, uh, the challenges of it, trial and denial, all this stuff. And today we come down to one agenda, which is to celebrate and to celebrate with joy. To look at the hard parts of the story, obviously, but then also to look at life with a great deal of joy and celebration. So with that, are you ready to join me in the journey today? So let's go ahead and get started. So it's, it's interesting with Easter, right? Easter, it's so often that we look at Easter and we look at Easter as an event. And when I think of it as an event, I think obviously it has to deal with white chocolate Easter bunnies because those are the best, right? Or jelly, or jelly bellies, whatever it might be for you. You know, we think of the Easter basket, we think of this event. But the reality is, folks, listen to this. Easter's a season. It's a season. And it's interesting talking with people over the years because as you talk with them, if they're going through a hard time, very often as a pastor, I'll mention to them that this sounds like it's your Easter. And people get that. Every one of you here has been through an Easter season of some sort. A time of challenge, uh, a time even of, of death, sometimes literal, sometimes figurative, time of waiting and then a time of resurrection. And Easter is about this knowledge. God walked that path and is walking that path with you. God walked that path and is walking that path with, with you. So Easter, in a sense, it sort of has two levels of truth. One is, yes, it is a literal story. It is a literal historical event. And it's not just true because it only happened. It's true, friends, because it has happened over and over and over again. And that's what we get to celebrate today. Now, it's interesting when, when we look at the Bible, one of the things I love, you know, as a, as a pastor, you kind of, kind of, you got to keep a sermon in the box. You got to keep this sermon that's just in your back pocket because you never know when you're on an airplane and somebody goes, is there a pastor on the plane? Can someone preach? Just kidding. That never happens. But, but. It does happen sometimes where people will ask you things, and it's important to have this idea in your head. Think about this, friends. And I say it over and over again. The Bible starts with original blessing, not original sin. It starts with the idea that life is good, not just good, but very good. And they don't, you know, God doesn't use the word perfect there. He uses the word good, the word good and very good. And, and, and that's, that continues on, and it's, it's really no different in the Easter story. We get a chance to see by the end of the story that life is indeed good, indeed actually very good. And so much of that is this experience of joy. And it's this deep joy, folks. It's a, it's a joy that, that is, is so important to remember is beyond life circumstances. It's a base note of sorts. I certainly have been so humbled over the years to meet people who've gone through really challenging circumstances 
And yet they carry their life with a joy that's almost indescribable. Really can't put words to it. And no life was more that way than Jesus' life. I think we should always think of the things that Jesus shares and think of them with a smile because, again, Jesus is the best picture of God we know. You know, that idea of of just joy and, and fullness of joy. And how does that look to live a life with fullness of joy? Understanding the broken parts of it, understanding the challenging parts of it, and learning to celebrate resurrection as well. Now, just to give you a sense of that, you think back to this famous picture, Mary and Martha, you know, when, when Jesus was literally in vitro, you know, he goes and hangs out with his cousin, figuratively, obviously. Mary goes and visits Martha, and it says that, that her, Elizabeth, excuse me, Elizabeth, and, and it says that Elizabeth, that the baby leapt in her womb as Jesus' mother approached. So Jesus bringing joy even before he was born. And then when he was born, there's, there's no doubt he brought incredible joy to his parents as well. And no doubt more than a little bit of heartbreak as well. But that that joy was part of the story, that joy that carries on. There also was joy around those he healed. This is a picture from a movie where Jesus heals the leper. You know, and just think about the joy of this, like a leper at that time was supposed to go around with a bell hollering, unclean, unclean, so that they wouldn't be touched. Touching somebody with leprosy was was considered ritualistically impure. Yet, what does Jesus do? He touches the leper. Joy. Must have been incredible joy there. And you think as well, friends, about all the people that that Jesus ate with. Jesus got in trouble because of who he ate with. He ate with all kinds of people. And you think of the joy of that, right? The joy joy for those people who, who felt like they didn't have a place. Who felt like they were outcasts of some sort. And here's Jesus making a beeline for their table, (laughs) Again and again and again. Now, folks, as we look at life and we look at this joy, there's three stories that are so worthwhile to remember. There's my story, there's our story, and there's the story. And so much of of this celebration of Easter is, is is this movement through and trying to pull it all together where we see my story, our story, and the story about how they all line up in this, in this incredibly beautiful way. As the music, musicians come out, it's, it's a way where, where so much of the thread that weaves through it is this deep thread of joy. Incredible, rich joy. Connection. Love. What all those things look like, including it, how they looked in very challenging times. Christian New Church holds it this way. You know, this idea that caring is the very image of God. And Jesus is the fullest of that image. So think about that on this day. Think about that that fullness and that caring. And when we come back from the song, we're going to look at the Easter story, both, both the challenging parts of it and then this blessed resurrection. Joy literally come 
to life. Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. Yes, we have Eric Cooper here today and Josh Steingard joining us as well. And it's a lovely day. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a lovely day. 
That's some great Easter energy there. You know, the idea of a, of a lovely day, right? And that's what we're moving towards. We're moving towards Easter Sunday. And we want to tell the full story, right? It's, it's interesting. I was thinking this morning in a, in a great book, like I love Harry Potter, right? But, but I didn't read Harry Potter reading the last three pages. <laughs> you know, you start at the beginning of the story, you work your way through. And that's what we're going to do, is we're going to just, just touch on some of the key parts so we can get to Easter Sunday in the right context. So I want to start with this, right? Life has light and dark. Can I get a little amen on that? It has both. All of our lives have both. Blessed, broken, shared. We talk about that all the time. And what was the darkest point of this story? Well, the darkest point of this story occurs on Good Friday, which is always kind of ironic. We call it Good Friday. Good Friday in Jesus' crucifixion. Now, what had happened, Jesus had sort of gone through two trials. And you could look at these trials both literally and figuratively. Two trials. One trial was from the religious authorities. And what they felt was, was Jesus was trying to usurp their power. They saw his popularity. They saw that, that, that here's Jesus and he's offering a way outside of kind of formal religious channels. It's been true of religion always. Really good religion is bad for the middleman. <laughs> and Jesus was kind of going around all that. And then there's the Roman authorities, and their main thing was just how do we keep the peace, Pax Romana, how do we keep the peace no matter what? And it wasn't a peace that was like peaceful peace. It was just a peace that was saying, we can't have any revolutions going on. These were a subjugated people. So Jesus faces a trial through both of those. The decision gets made that he's to be crucified. Horrible way to die. So Jesus does get crucified, and as you'll see, and you'll see sometimes these when you're driving along the highway, you'll see it always represented as three crosses that because, that's because there were thieves on either side of him. It's interesting just to think, right? To think how dark a moment that was. And to think as Jesus is in that place, as Jesus is in that place, what were the challenges that were faced? What was, what was the biggest thing, the biggest, maybe the literally the biggest cross he had to bear, the biggest challenge? Here's, here's one that's really fascinating to think about. Because I think, again, it's, it's that idea that, that Jesus goes through this and we can rest in places where we're challenging to know that Jesus has gone through this too, which is another way of saying God has gone through this too. And God is here with us. In that darkness. That last temptation. What, what was that last temptation? The last temptation of Christ? Well, obviously, there's temptations when you're in that much pain and that much distress. All of that stuff that comes from hell. And yet, interestingly... From this particular faith system, we believe that the last temptation actually came from heaven. And it was a temptation that said, in a bad way, it's over. People are unredeemable. It is hopeless. 
please listen to that with your whole body. The last temptation was abject hopelessness. Now, it's, it's interesting. Again, I, I know when I get in hopeless places, I instantly want to see evidence to the contrary. <laughs> you know, quick, like, come up with some good things. But that wasn't the evidence that was right there in front of Jesus. What was in front of him was he'd been followed by thousands. They'd all disappeared. By most biblical accounts, he was down to three people. And was greeted by far more jeering from a crowd that had gathered to watch these executions. Now you think about the hopelessness that would have been possible in that situation. And, and there's something, I think, folks, to it when, when we're caught in that place to remember that, that hopelessness is the last temptation. It's the final one. Maybe that even means it's the biggest in a certain sense. Has anybody been tempted to hopelessness over the last two years? <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the problem is, folks, we look at hope, or I should say, I look at hopelessness, I imagine some of you do too, we look at hopelessness as a fact, not as a challenge. As a fact, not a temptation in and of itself. We will spend times, I'm sure, where, we, where hopelessness rules the day. I think that, that will be part of all of our lives. But as we're going to talk about in a few minutes, what is it that starts to shift that? What is it that we can do? We know what Jesus is. Jesus didn't give in to it. And there's obviously a call there for us as well. Now this is where the end of the story comes in terms of Good Friday. This is from John 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished. And, and this was a good finished. This was like, a, we talked at the beginning of the Easter stories about telos. Telos meaning end or goal or point. It's not like a chronological thing. It's far more about the purpose. Jesus knew that, that his purpose had been finished. He had done it. That's the context here. So that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it's finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, there's, there's something beautiful in that. Again, this is a whole other sermon. I'm just going to just say it, because maybe it will resonate with somebody here. It's interesting when Jesus finally gives up the spirit. He'd been the target of all kinds of cruelty. But the reason why they did this, folks, a, a wine vinegar soaked in a sponge, you know, that was just considered a, an ancient pain reliever. So there, there's this small little act of compassion. Small little act of compassion. And I see Jesus at that moment with a beautiful look, a resigned smile again, going, it's finished. The work here is done. Now that's what he knew. 
I would imagine that those who were following him felt very differently, obviously. They would not have seen that as some great triumph. They would have seen his death as, as the tragedy, and the tragedy on a human scale that it really was. And, and think, folks, of stepping into that place, right? That place where literally you have given your whole life to following this person who has consistently said, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm a kingdom about love and connection. But no doubt a few of them had, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, had a, had a th thought like, yeah, he keeps on saying it's not of this world. He's got thousands of followers. It is of this world. Probably a few of them would have been intoxicated by that of sorts. I mean, imagine hanging out with someone who was changing the world that rapidly, performing miracles. And here he is dead now. And can you imagine the hopelessness they then experienced? Life not only was unimaginable, it was unmanageable at that point. We were talking about this in, in sermon writing team and, and one of the beautiful souls who joined us there got a little teary and, and said, and I think it's true, this person said, yeah, I would just be sitting there with just, I, well, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know. It's, it, it seems, you know, the, the, the cliche that comes to mind is having the rug pulled out from under you, but that doesn't even seem to quite capture what that must have been like. It must have been way beyond that in terms of the challenge that was experienced. And within that darkness, folks, here's the miracle. A new story had started. My story, our story, the story. A new story had started. Now this, this new story, folks, there's a beautiful line in the Bible, and in most of the Bible counts, it appears the women were the first to really get it. And they go racing out to the tomb, and it has this phrase up here, this beautiful phrase, while it was still dark, while it was still dark. And, and again, and please join us at home in saying this. We're all going to say that line together. Ready? While it was still dark. While it was still dark. That, that's, that's significant. And it just makes me teary even like thinking about that. While it was still dark. Because what they ask here is to take a step while it's still dark. To move forward while it's still dark. To search for God while it's still dark. I don't have language for this. It's just a little thought germinating because it, it's interesting to think about this story. We see, we see two women bolting off for the tomb. We see a number of his disciples doing the same. We see Joseph of Arimathea trying to take care of the body. We see, we see Nicodemus doing the same thing. We see all these people who are starting to take a step in the dark. And this is the miracle. Not one of them was commanded to do that. 
It's not like the Christmas story where people are told to go to this place, to go to Bethlehem. None of them are told to do that. Then why did they go? Because they heard Jesus' message. Because maybe just a little part of them got it. Just a little tiny spark, a little tiny piece of light that could just take one step forward, even in the midst of dark, in the midst of hopelessness. Could just take a step. There's beauty and power in that because I think it shows what we can do. Not only what we can do, but I think what God constantly calls us to do. I know when I'm in a hopeless place, when I'm in a dark place, the last thing I want to do is to take a step. And yet, that's the spiritual decision. That's the bigger choice. That's where we do what God has asked us to do. And what do I think that's called? And I've seen it so many times, folks. We all have with our brothers and sisters. What do we call that in the end? We call it courage. And it's just a step. And it's courageous. Now Mary goes racing to the tomb, and that's where we pick up the story. And, and there's, there's, you know, the, the four Gospels, each has slightly different Easter stories, each offering a different angle. This is the one from the Gospel of John, and I'm sharing it because I love the Gospel of John. It's my favorite of the four. And I find this account just very true to the human condition. So she, so she goes to the tomb. The tomb is empty. And then she sees this person. He asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. He said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Now, now again, we have to smile at that, right? Like, here, is, here she is, and she's in all this immense pain, and she sees Jesus, and she thinks he's the gardener. And then, and then there's also, and I, I, I do smile at this, then she, she thinks that the gardener somehow has like hidden Jesus' body somewhere. I think that's worthy of a smile there as well. And then there's this beautiful line, folks. Jesus said to her, Mary, he, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which is where we get the word rabbi from, which means teacher. A beautiful moment of recognition. I was trying to think what that might have looked like, and granted, this is not a perfect analogy by any stretch. This is a mom whose, whose son surprised her at a hockey game and came back from the service. And I, I love the look on her face. I love the look on her face. Fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. No doubt there was a connection there between Mary Magdalene and Jesus as well. She hugs Jesus. And then Jesus says, don't cling to me, I'm not resurrected yet. Again, I would have said that with a smile. And let's just, let's just sit in that minute, that, that moment for a minute. This recognition, this place where we see God looking at us, this place 
where we come to understand this is the life that I can see and this is the life that is. Imagine how much would have changed for her at that moment. Imagine how much her life would have shifted. First off, she would have seen Jesus totally differently now. Again, not coming back as a conquering hero, not coming back, said I told you so, none of that. Coming back resurrected, coming back filled with joy and filled with light. So yeah, they would have looked at, at Jesus very differently. And, and, and then imagine, folks, too, her whole history, her whole life, the whole context would have instantly been shifted. All those little dark places, which all of us have in our lives, right? Like, imagine how those would have been filled with a new way of seeing. A new sight. Repentance, metanoia, metanous, changing your mind. And aside, I think every one of us will have that experience when we die. And then, folks, finally, imagine how differently she would have seen herself. Knowing that she was seen. That she was known, not just known as a face in a crowd, but known by name. To know as well that, that at that point in time, no matter where she went, she was now home. She was now home. As they come out, as the musicians come out here for the middle song, I want to read to you this, this poem called Annunciation. It's a beautiful poem, and it's one we shared at Christmas, and I was thinking back to it, and I was thinking, yeah, I, I just feels like the same kind of thing. This was a Christmas poem, but it's also an Easter poem. It's an Easter poem of that moment, of truly being seen, of truly knowing that resurrection is real. Annunciation by Marie Howe. Even if I don't see it again, nor ever feel it, I know it is. And that if once it hailed me, it ever does. And so it is myself I want to turn in that direction, not as towards a place, but it was a tilting within myself. As one turns a mirror to flash the light to where it isn't, I was blinded like that and swam in what shone at me. That's a beautiful line there. I swam in what shone at me. Only able to endure it by being no one. And so specifically myself, I thought I would die being loved like that. Beautiful poem. That's the idea of resurrection. That's the deep joy. That, my friends, is Easter.
And you know, folks, so much of, of this whole thing is, is learning to do this. Learning how do we learn how to practice resurrection. Again, if it's, if it's more than just a moment, if it's a season that we know is a season and we know that those seasons come around, we got to learn to practice it as best we can. Now, some ways, and this is sort of a, a lighter way, you know, it was so fun. Yesterday, I had a baptism. It was three weeks in a row with baptisms, and I baptized twins. So I got to do left and right hand at the same time. It was beautiful. Family from South Carolina. If that interests you, if that is something that's like, yeah, I want to practice resurrection, I want to learn to dive in deeper, we have lots of opportunities for that. Online small groups, service opportunities, welcome to chat with me anytime online or in person. You can find all that on our homepage. And for those of you joining us in our studio audience today, we actually have a little, little piece of paper you can take with you with a QR code to help you find out what's going on here. And we're always adding things. And that's kind of at one level, and that's, that's a good level, and I think we need to take steps. I, I love the old quote, I say it way too often, a river without banks is a puddle. And, and I think that's what churches can give us, synagogues, mosques, all that stuff. What it can give us, it can give us some discipline, it can give us some edges to the river. And also, most importantly, far more important, really, is the idea of putting the question to you. How are you going to practice resurrection? How are you going to take the lessons of the Easter season, step into life a little more, and practice that resurrection? If you're not sure where to start, Think about this. Think about just what is one step you can make in the dark. Now, you may not be in a place where you're sitting in darkness today. I hope not. I hope you get lots of chocolate. But I imagine you probably know someone who is. You probably know someone who you can just make a little step towards. A step known by its patience, by its compassion, by its tenderness. Because when we practice resurrection, folks, there's nothing instantaneous about it, I don't think. We're talking a season here. We're talking something where we do it over and over again. Eugene Berry had a great line. He said, how do you practice resurrection? He said, Plant sequoias. <laughs> I, like, I like that one. Sequoias, I don't know exactly. There's somebody in here, I'm sure, who does. You know, sequoias, like, I think they grow for like a million years or something crazy. Crazy, crazy long. And that's what we're to plant. We're to plant with that long view in mind. And it's a long view that's grounded in what is eternally true, what doesn't change. Because, folks, we need people, the world needs people who are going to take a step in the dark. As the old saying goes, curse the darkness or light a light, light a light. Practice resurrection. 
Celebrate. Celebrate Easter. Let Jesus look at you. (laughs) Find your life changed. Find your life held in new ways. And the last word, folks. Have a great Easter. Have a great Easter. Amen. What we're going to do now, friends, is I'm going to do a prayer, and then we'll do the Our Father prayer, followed by a blessing. And then, because the theme has been on joy, you'll never guess what our last song is. And uh, you are more than welcome to sing along at home or here in our studio audience as we go out of church today with a lot of joy. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for all those gathered. And Lord, help us to practice resurrection. Help us to practice again and again, taking that step in the darkness, that step in the darkness that always is a step to this, that is always a step to light. Always a step to you. Always a step to Easter morning. To resurrection. To life anew. Life born again. Thank you, Lord, for joining us this Easter season. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the path, not just in words, but for showing us that very path, for showing us how to stand in the midst of darkness and to stand with light, and most importantly, with love. And Lord, today, Let that final word in all of this be joy. A world made good. A world made very good that despite the challenges, we can still do our bet and discover the joy that is our inheritance, that is your movement through us. Maybe let us feel that just a bit today, Lord. Joy to the world. Joy in the world. Joy with the world. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you this Easter season and bring you peace and bring you home, amen. As Chuck said, feel free to sing along if you know this one. This is just going to be a fun one to end the day with some big joy with all of you.
Thanks, y'all.